All right, good morning, church. I'm excited to be with you and finish up Psalm 23 together. Uh, before we get started, will you guys just pray with me? And I know watching the live stream, it, it's been difficult and it's been hard. And, and for some people, it's really easy. But for some of us, it's just harder to engage. And that's why I want to start off by praying. I really actually want you guys to pray with me if you can and just ask the Lord to teach us and even make it so that through the screen, like, I'm more engaging, that the Holy Spirit is making it so I'm more engaging. So let's all pray together, church. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this psalm, this beautiful psalm, where we get to see you as shepherd and we get to see you as a host. God, today as I teach from Psalm 23, I ask that the words that I speak would be what you want to say to our church. God, would you just deepen our view of who you are? Would you deepen our understanding of you? Would you deepen our walk with you? Uh, God, we just need you. Holy Spirit, move in us. Help us to learn from you and know you better today. God, I need you for that to happen. We all need you for that. We love you, Lord. And we're thankful that we get to spend this time looking at your word together. Amen. All right, church, so I, uh, I'm going to share a little story with you guys about something that happened in ninth grade. Because as I was thinking through how we see God uh, today in Psalm 23, this story kind of just came to mind. So when I was in ninth grade, I was really cool. Uh, not only was I in marching band, which... That's known as a cool thing, I'm pretty sure. I was also in theater and drama. Uh, the club for theater and drama was called Mask and Gavel, and so I was part of this. Just Again, I just want to emphasize how cool I was. And so uh, one of the things about being part of drama club, Mask and Gavel, is each year there was different people that ran for office and did different roles for the club. And so at the end of my ninth grade year, I decided to run for another cool position, treasurer. And, uh, and part of running for that was you would get in a classroom full of everybody that was in the club and you'd give a speech and then people would vote and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, throughout my ninth grade year, there were these two guys. I'm not going to name them because it feels like I have some forgiveness stuff that I got to work on in my heart. But there was these two guys that, that just kind of bullied me in a lot of ways. One of the things they did is I had braces in ninth grade. And so because of my braces, I would make these slurping noises a lot like while I was talking. So I'd be talking and then mid-sentence or at the end of the sentence, I kind of be like, like that. And so they noticed this, they picked up on this, and every time I would talk in general life, if I was in a class with them or, or near them or around them, they would just make these noises constantly, constantly, constantly. So we get to me giving a speech, running for treasurer and masking gavel. These guys are part of the club. They're in the room, and they begin to, as I'm giving the speech, just make these noises, these slurping noises over and over again, just basically cutting off my speech, almost drowning me out as, uh, as I'm making this speech. Now, at my, I had this friend named JD, and he had this breaking point. I, I don't know if it was 7 to 10 to 15 slurps in, but all of a sudden, I see JD as I'm giving this speech. He just is like, this is enough. Now, here's the thing about my friend JD. He was maybe the biggest guy on campus. He was a few grades ahead of me. He played football. He was real big and real strong. And so JD had had enough of these guys just bullying me. So JD goes up behind one of the guys and he just bear hugs 
one of these guys. And it's it was kind of, I was talking to him about it this week. It was like a combination chokehold, bear hug situation. And he just held it there to the point of like awkwardly long where the kid who was getting kind of bear hugged uh, was going, is am I, is he going to kill me? Like, am I going to die? Right. Like what's going to happen? And, and so after JD did that, they stopped, <laughs> they stopped making fun of me. They stopped doing the slurp noise, even just in the halls. And when I'd see them outside of that moment. And, and, and part of why I tell that story is because I think today, as we look at Psalm 23, we're going to get this picture of God that, that I think JD showed me a picture of when he, when he did that, we're going to see that, that God is as close to us as JD was to me in that classroom. And that, that the way that God works in our life, it, it looks like, even though it might not seem like it, a lot of the ways that, that my buddy JD was, was caring for me in that moment. So we're going to be in Psalm 23. Here's what we're going to see today uh, in, in Psalm 23. Besides the fact that uh, it shows us that God is like always having a JD around. We're going to see that God is a host who wants to commune with us. And then secondly, we're going to see that God is going to pursue us with his goodness and his mercy all the days of our life. So we're going to do one verse at a time. It's again, it's a little bit more devotional these last few weeks. And uh, as I go through it, we're just re- just let's reflect on who God is and let's sit in that. That's that's important for us. And I think we don't do it enough. So let's read uh, verse five of Psalm 23 and then talk about it a little bit. So here's what verse five says. You and this is God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So what we have to notice right away in Psalm 23, in verse 5, the psalm is is taking a shift in how it's describing who God is. I think sometimes when you read the whole psalm and we think it's only talking about God as shepherd, but here in verse 5 and verse 6, it David is using other sorts of metaphor, other sorts of language to describe who God is and how he acts. And so what David shifts to here is that God is a host, that God is this hospitable person. And and look what this host does. He allows someone to come to his house or come to his tent and eat at a table with him. Look, even though enemies might be pursuing, this was known in the ancient Near East that sometimes that if enemies were pursuing you, if you could find the right host or the right person that would allow you to eat with them, this this host, the hospitality they would provide would be something akin to like protection from these enemies. Not only does the host do all that, but the host also... uh, provides food and drink, and not just a little bit, but continuous drink. Free refills is, is what the sort of host that, that David's describing here in, in verse 5. And, and I think probably most importantly here, we have, we have a host here in verse 5 who wants to commune with us, who wants to be in our life, who wants to talk with us. In the ancient Near East, and in many places across the world, eating with something is eating with someone is very significant. It means a lot. So here's what Psalm 23, verse 5, teaches us about God. God 
is a divine host who wants us to be at the table with him, who wants to eat with us. Not only that, God, the transcendent being, the only transcendent thing in the universe, in all of reality, he wants to fill up our cup. He wants to make sure our cup has enough to drink. He wants to refill it for us. So not only does God want to spend time with us and commune with us, but he wants to serve us like a host would serve someone. This is, this is enough for us to sit in. We don't, like we could spend a lot of time just in prayer, thanking God for this aspect of, of who he is. I think we just have to reflect God, who's transcendent and beyond all, decides to humble himself and eat at table with us. And not only that, serve us while being at the same table. I, I, I don't think we get this metaphor. I, really, I, I, think, I think very few of us have been in situations where we were having a meal with someone that was a lot more important than, than us or a lot bigger than us. You know, I think there's a goodness in our culture that, that we talk about, you know, everybody is equal. And I, I think sometimes because of that, we've, we've lost some of, uh, some of the beautiful metaphors that we seem, see in Psalm 23. We have to realize that sometimes, that as we read the Bible, sometimes our current culture stops us from seeing something important about God. And I think in this moment, we don't see how powerful and how crazy it is that the God of the universe wants us to sit at a table with him and to serve us. We just, we don't, we, we don't, I, like I was even trying to rack my brain for an example of this. And I thought of a few, but I couldn't think of something that like we could all relate to and that we could all understand. And it's, it's just something that we miss. The most, the, the closest I could get is just thinking about how, how my buddy JD, he, he kind of put protection over me in that situation just out of the goodness of his heart. I wasn't crying out to JD. I wasn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily need to do that. It was already something that I had been experiencing with those guys bullying me. But just out of the goodness of his heart, he decided to kind of put this uh, banner of protection uh, over me that, that literally followed me the, the, like the rest of my days in high school. And so, church, we just have to sit in this fact that that God is a transcendent God who, who wants to host us, who wants to be hospitable to us, who wants to serve us. There's something that just seems wrong and off about that, but this is who God is revealing himself to be. It, so even though it feels wrong, it's true about who God is. Let's just sit in that this week if we can. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6, As we, before I read verse 6, we could almost say before we read verse 6, because God is our shepherd, because God is our host, then verse 6 is true. Okay, because he is these things, this is what happens. So because of that, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because God is our shepherd, because God is, our, is a hospitable host to us, goodness and mercy follow us wherever we go. 
not any kind of goodness and mercy, God's goodness and his mercy follow us the days of our, all the days of our life. His character of goodness. Just, we know what good is, and God is that an infinity fold. And God is saying, I am, that is going to follow you, that aspect of my character. His mercy is this idea that he withholds punishment. But I also think there's this idea that, that mercy is sometimes we get to have things that we don't deserve as well, good gifts and these sorts of things. And so God says, I'm, I'm with you, following you, and so those things are also going to follow you as well. This word follow here, it, it honestly could probably be translated pursue as well. Because I think sometimes we hear that word follow, we think of like, you know, kindergarten or something. We're walking in line, we're following the line along and kind of passive. But this word is really this idea that it pursues us. That, that God's goodness and his mercy, it doesn't just follow us, it pursues us. And not only that, he invites us to live with him in his house forevermore. This is our God. This is who God is. I'll, I'll be real. Some of you are probably going, that's nice. This is, that's a beautiful psalm, Anthony. Uh, I just, I don't even, I don't quite experience God like that. I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if that, maybe that was just David's experience. Maybe that's just some people's experience. I, I don't, I don't, you know, you, you might be going, Anthony, when the bullies come my way in life, when the enemies come my way, when the pain comes my way, when the suffering comes my way, it doesn't feel like God is a JD in my life. It doesn't feel like God's right there in the classroom with me to protect me in my life. It feels like he's not there at all. And I, I can relate to that. I grew up in, these, in a lot of churches that preached these sort of ideas from Psalm 23, these great, positive, beautiful ideas. And I began to have this dissonance because of it. Because a lot of times I'd be at church and I'd be talking about God as our shepherd who leads us beside the still waters and who brings us into the green pastures and who is a host to us and all of these things. And, and for me, this dissonance began to arise because I would hear all these truths about God, but then at least in my heart and in life, it just didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like God was the shepherd next to me. It didn't seem like I was experiencing God in these sorts of of ways. And so I began to go, what is what is going on? Is this all kind of made up? And is it why why am I not experiencing God in in these same ways? And I think a lot of us probably have that same dissonance here in the church. And so I, I want to speak to that for a second, if we could. Because again, sometimes we take the Psalms and we take Psalm 23 and we're like, that's nice. I don't know if that's true for me. And church, if you put your faith in Christ, I think it is true for you. And so here here's a few, a couple things that will help us just wrestle with that dissonance some of us might be having. The first thing is this. We talked about this last week, but God in this very psalm reminds us that in this world and in this life, there are valleys of the shadow of death. Like we will walk through those valleys. God will lead us through those valleys. And to be quite honest, I, I I can't help but think that when we are in those sorts of times and in those sorts of valleys in life, even though God is there with us, it probably will seem like he's not. 
Because especially in our culture, we convince ourselves that anytime bad things are happening, God is not with us or there's a curse against us. Anytime good things are happening, we're being blessed. But the story of the scripture is not that. The story of the scripture is even amidst the bad things, God is there. Amidst the good things too. And so we just have to remember that in this world, for whatever mysterious reason, we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it's going to make us sometimes think we're, we're not experiencing our shepherd or that he's not there. The second thing is this. Just because we can't see God's goodness and his mercy uh, doesn't mean it's not there. I think a lot of times, and I think that's for me a lot, I'm, a lot of times I'm convinced God's mercy and his goodness is not in my life when it just so clearly is. And sometimes it's a hindsight, it's 2020 thing where I don't know till years later and I don't see how good and kind and merciful he was to me in all sorts of scenarios, but, but they were. I want to read something from Romans 8, 26 uh, through 28 that I think kind of relates to this idea and will help us to understand how we can hold firm to these truths that we read in Psalm 23. But it says this, verse 26 of, of Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And church, listen to this verse in particular right now. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Church, circling back to the story with me and my friend J.D. and, and, and how sometimes it feels like God isn't working like a J.D. in our life. What Romans 8 teaches us is that Let's say I would live through that scenario again. Say I was in that classroom and these guys are bullying me and JD wasn't there and it just happens for the rest of the speech. What Romans 8 teaches us about our shepherd and our God who is a hospitable host to us is that he will take the evil that's done to us and he will reroute it in a way that it brings goodness to us and kindness and mercy. That's the sort of power our God has. That's the sort of sovereignty that he has. God's goodness pursues us in that we even get it, even when evil is coming our way, even when suffering is coming our way. Now listen, church, we have to know our definitions of good and mercy are, are a lot of times skewed and we can't see God's goodness and we're not understanding the sort of goodness he wants to bring us. But the, we can define the goodness by God wants to give us more of himself. God wants us to understand him more. He wants us to be more like him. But that's all in this relational union together. God is going to do that. That is a promise of Romans 8. That's the picture that we get in Psalm 23. This is, this is something the early church, not, not just the early church, this is something the church throughout history has believed and held on to. That, that God is with them no matter what, and that God will take the evil being done to the church and he will use it for their good. They, they, 
the early church, they would call out evil. They would experience evil. Think of all the martyrs that we have throughout church history who go to their deaths singing praises to God, who are in prison thanking God for being put in that situation. There's something about understanding this truth about God as, as shepherd and host and as one who works all things for our good that emboldens the church throughout history, that strengthens the church throughout history, that gives confidence to the church throughout history, that comforts the church throughout history. And I think that's just something that we need to realize we have too. I think too often in our sort of church circles, we, we won't focus on these things about God. We, we're like, we got to be real. We got to uh, talk about all these things. And, and we do. But even in the midst of all that, we still have this good shepherd. We still have this hospitable host. And in these times, even where it's hard for us to experience God that way, we, we can focus on the fact that Jesus did all these sorts of things. That we can see that Jesus pursues the world and us with his goodness and mercy. And the story of God's son Jesus coming into the world is a story of goodness and mercy pursuing the world. Just think through some of the, the, the components of the story. Jesus comes to earth lowering himself, humbling himself. Showing us his good character, showing us his goodness, teaching us what's true and good and right for human flourishing. Not only that, he restores things. All these miracles that Jesus does is a further and deeper picture of what God's kingdom is like. It's not just party prizes. It's not just fun things that God is doing on earth. God is showing us what his kingdom is about and what his kingdom is like. Showing us his goodness. Jesus, even on the cross, I think he shows us his goodness because he can, he's the only true and good atoning lamb for our sins. For years, the people of God had sacrificed animal after animal after animal to atone for their sins, and it was not enough. It could never be enough for their sins. There's even factions of them, and instead of sacrificing necessarily, they also just tried to be really good. And God was saying, your good works aren't enough either. But Jesus, who had perfect good works, who was full of goodness, shows us on the cross that he can be the good and true sacrifice for us. Not only that, we see God's mercy on the cross as well. Because even though Jesus is experiencing all the pain, all the wrath that our sin deserves, and he is the atoning lamb in that moment, God is withholding that punishment for all those that put their faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing, church, that, 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 that Jesus, as he's experiencing wrath towards sin, it's a picture of us, of God's mercy toward the world. And so... It, if it's hard for you to, to see that God's goodness and his mercy pursue us forevermore, look to Jesus. See how he has brought that. See how his kingdom has been established and it will be more fully established one day as well. 
It doesn't end there, though, too, because Jesus resurrects. He comes back to life, and his resurrection starts this, this spark of goodness and mercy spreading throughout the earth because Jesus sends his spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit into the believers so that wherever any believer is, God's goodness and mercy should be as well. Believers, we should be proclaimers of God's goodness and mercy, but we should also be uh, in doers of, of God's goodness and mercy because the spirit lives in us. Again, church, I think this is just stuff we don't reflect on about God. I think we can, we can get too often into Psalm 23 and we're like, those are fluffy ideas. Those are nice ideas or those are cliche ideas, but, but they're true about God. They're true for us. And it's good for us to reflect on those components about who God is. And so let's make sure to spend the rest of the day remembering that God's goodness and his mercy follows us. It pursues us. Yes, life can be difficult and broken, and it can seem like we're not experiencing God, but Romans 8 teaches us, for those that put their faith in Christ, that surely goodness and mercy follow us the rest of our days, and we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray, church. God, thank you so much that this is true about you. God, forgive us that we don't believe it. There's something wrong with us. There's a brokenness in us. It's due to sin. It's due to us focusing probably too much on our, our perspectives. So God, heal our hearts. Heal those perspectives. Where there's true hurt and brokenness that's been done to us, God, would you... Uh, come in like the shepherd that you are and just make it clear to us how much you love us, how much you're guiding us, how much you are a host inviting us to the table to eat with you. God, we love you and we need you so much and we are just so thankful for you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for being a hospitable host. Amen. Thanks, church.